this truth that we have found our hope we have found our peace we have found our rest in the one who loves and and I just just really sense that, that actually maybe some of us don't really believe that that in Jesus that is the truth he is the one that we have our hope in. He is the one we have peace. He is the one that have rest. He is the one that we have everything in. Yeah. And he wants to... I really felt that as we were just worshipping and those words were brought, that God wants to bring a revelation. Because so often in this world, we, we sort of sing those things, but believe something else. We believe, actually, that in my family, I'll get peace and hope. In my finances... I'll get that. In my job. In my relationships. And although we sing these things, we actually, in our hearts, we think, no, no, but I'm, I'm going to make sure I keep hold of this in my life. Because actually, this is what gives me peace. This is what gives me hope. This is what gives me rest. And I believe God wants to break that this morning and say, actually, no, no, in Him is our hope. In Him is our peace. In Him is our rest. And the reason for that is because He's the only one that is utterly and totally dependable. <clears throat> we can lose our jobs. We can have our money go in an instant, just because just that can happen in the society we're in. We can lose our relationships and our families. We cannot lose Jesus, because he's got hold of us. And that came across as well. It's him that's got hold of us, not we. We're not holding on to him tightly and thinking, oh, I'll try, try not to let go. He's got hold of us. He took us. And I believe God wants to just say that to people's hearts this morning. That in Jesus, you have found everything that you need. You don't need to look anywhere else. In him and him alone is everything that you need. And once we get that in our hearts, once we, then there's a release that comes. There's a release that comes in our lives. There's a freedom that comes in our lives. Because actually we're no longer... Uh, clinging on and finding stuff for ourselves and, and hoping this next thing will be what we need. Because we found it already. And when we come to look at this whole subject of generosity, this is the core and the, and the key to this. And it's the bedrock of, of how we live our lives. Who are we trusting in? Who are we depending on? I was reading through... I've been reading through the book of Jeremiah. And uh, it's a really strange uh, book in many ways. Jeremiah was called the weeping prophet. And therefore, when you, when you come to read Jeremiah, you have this sense of, oh, this is going to be really fun, isn't it? This guy <laughs> was predicting doom and gloom and destruction. And... and um, you know, and I, you know, I thought, oh, well, I'll, I'll just read it through. Cause... But actually, a number of times in the middle of this book, there are some amazing truths. Some of the most amazing statements in the whole of the Bible that just bring wonderful life. And, and this is one of them. In Jeremiah 32 and verse 41, after predicting some gloom, God says this. He says, I will rejoice in doing them good. And will assuredly plant them in this land with all my heart and soul. What Jeremiah was looking to was, yeah, there was going to be a time of 
of, of sadness, that the nation was going to be overrun, but he was looking ahead. And he saw, in the future, a time when Israel, the church, would be established. There would be a new leader, one who had the heart, who was going to be there forever, established on the throne, the righteous branch, he calls it. And Jeremiah saw this, and he said, in that time, in that day, God will be like this. He will be rejoicing in doing the people good. We live in that day. We live in that day that Jesus established. And we have a God who rejoices in doing us good. Not because, not because we've earned it, not because we've done anything, because the righteous branch, Jesus himself, has come and paid the price. And he now reigns. And in that day, Jeremiah saw this. He saw the one who would bring this peace and this joy and this hope. And he says, now I can rejoice in doing you good. Because you're my people, you've been saved. And if you get nothing out of this morning, believe this. That God rejoices in doing you good. He sings (coughs) over you in heaven and he loves to do you good. Now sometimes our circumstances may not seem to say that. The situations we find ourselves in. But actually, this is the, that is the truth of Scripture. He rejoices in doing you good. It doesn't mean that all our circumstances are, are perfect, that we live uh, without anything affecting us. But God is looking all the time to bless us. God is looking to, to reveal his nature to us. God is re- looking to, to let us know his goodness and his love. And if we have this understanding of God, then everything else will fall into place. It's true when it comes to every area of our life, including that of how we deal with money and giving and generosity. Now what I want to say as well is that, I want to speak on this, but we're not going to, at the end of this, what I say today, take up an offering. We're not going to make an appeal. We're not even going to charge for tea and coffee. <laughs> Because this isn't about a one-off thing, oh, we need some money, okay? That's not what this, this, this talk is about. I don't know if you ever went to those uh, um, conferences, the New Frontiers, but on a conference at Brighton each year, and the Thursday night was the, was the, the time when they took up the offering. And, uh, and then normally beforehand, they gave a preach on giving, and your heart, you used to think, oh no, here we go again. And, uh, and, and you thought, I know. And actually, I mean, it's not wrong. It's not wrong. It's good to do that. But they were after a particular thing. They're after, you know, raising money for, for the stuff that New Frontiers were doing. Excellent stuff. Don't, don't get me wrong. I don't want to uh, decry it. But there was that sense in which you were building up to this one big offering. I'm not doing that today. I'm, what I want to talk about is, is a way of life. It's a way of life that gets into us because we know who we are, we know who God is, we know who we are, we're his sons and daughters who he delights in. So that once we get that in our hearts, our life reflects that in the way we live, the way we give, the way we use our time, our, our resources and everything. It's coming from the fact that we are secure in the love and the mercy and the grace of God. That we have received something from him. And because of that, actually... I'm secure, I'm, I'm, I can give away some money and it's not a problem. 
Because actually, I'm not trusting that, I'm trusting God. And so what we're after today, what I'm after today is, is to get that real sense of the, the, the security and the love of God that we, he has for each one of us, and that we may grasp that, so that we reflect the way we live our lives. Isaiah 64, verse 4, says this. Since ancient times, no one has heard, no ear has perceived, no eye has seen any God besides you who acts on behalf of those who wait for him. Isaiah, again, was a prophet that saw lots of of, of destruction and bad things happen because of of, um, what, what Israel were doing at the time and what Judah were doing. But then he says this, as he, as he looks again, looks forward, and he sees who God really is. A God that doesn't just stay aloof and far away, but is God who dives in and acts on behalf of you and me. For those that wait for him, those who trust in him, God will act. You see, when we get into difficulties, when we're in difficult situations, we have these wonderful truths. God delights in doing us good, and he's a God who does something about it. He doesn't just stand back and watch and say, oh, that's a bit tough, isn't it? God comes down and says, right, I'm going to do something about that. If you need some money, actually, I'm going to provide for you because I act on behalf of men. If you need some deliverance in this particular area of your uh, life, then I'm going to act. I'm going to do something because that's the God I am. I'm not a God who stands back and just watches from a distance. And Isaiah knew this. He could see this God was someone who comes down. This is our God. This is the one that we have come to trust. Amen. He's not someone who's distant. He's not someone that is nice in theory, but in practice, well, he just never turns up, does he? No, no, in practice, God intervenes. God comes down because he loves you. He really loves you. God, God has spoken about this. He not only likes us, he loves us, both of them. And because of that, he intervenes. He will act. He will do stuff in your life. My own testimony is many times God has broken in. I didn't deserve it. It's just because he loves me. He loves me. And it's true for you. We have a God who acts on behalf of us. And this is seen most clearly in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 8 verse 9. I'm going to look at quite a few verses today. Poor old Janice has got a bit of work cut out on the back there. But thank you. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you, through his poverty, might become rich. The ultimate truth is shown in Jesus Christ. He was in heaven. He, had, he lacked nothing. He was in the glory with the Father and the Spirit. He was just having a great time and he gave it all up. He gave it all up for us. For you and for me. He gave it all up so that we could know something. We could know the fullness of what he knew. He didn't keep it to himself. He says, no, I'm going to give up this. I'm going to live on this earth. I'm going to have nothing. For those years, he had no home. He had no wealth, he had nothing. He just lived for the sake of us. He gave up everything. He became poor so that we might become rich. That's the level of the love that God has for us. 
And in Romans 8, verse 32, Paul writes this. He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, will he not also, along with him, freely give us all things? God has already given everything he could possibly give. The most precious thing he had was his son. He was prepared for him to go through the suffering and the pain and the poverty. And so Paul is saying, well, if he's going to give you that, he's going to give you everything else, isn't he? He's not going to withhold stuff from you. He's not going to be mean. He's already given everything. Surely, if he's given us his son, everything is ours. Everything is ours. And it's that that we need to get into our hearts. That's understanding of God. That's who he is. Because when we have that understanding of God, when it comes to our, our possessions, our finances, then we can have a much freer attitude to them. Well, God's already given me everything. If I give something away, I'm not going to let. Because God loves me. If I'm generous with my time, I'm not going to miss out. If I'm generous with my possessions, with my home, with my whatever I've got, actually, I'm not going to lack. Because I've got a God who will graciously give me all things. But actually, that needs to be in our hearts. We can read it on a piece of paper, and we can sing about it, but we need to allow the Holy Spirit to apply that and say, yeah, and by faith to believe it and to get hold of it. And I believe that's what God has been doing today, applying to people's hearts. Actually, this is what it's all about, is knowing who God is. Knowing how, how much he loves you, knowing who you are. You're his son and daughter. You're so precious. You're so loved. Yes. You see, if we don't have this, if we don't have that in our hearts, we can, we can turn to other things. Now, the Bible talks about money a lot. Um, I have it on good authority that... Jamie told me this, so it must be true. Um, that the Bible talks about money and possessions and wealth 800 times on 800 separate occasions. And it's not that God is after our money. God doesn't need our money. He really doesn't. He owns everything. So God's not after our money. Be careful, I keep getting told off. I'll move that there. (laughs) Get a bit of water as well. Is that better? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God isn't after our money. God is after our heart. He's after a heart relationship between you and me. But the problem is, we can get wrapped up. And that's why the Bible talks so much about money, is because that can be a real test of where our heart is. It can be a real test of whether we really trust God, whether we really are, have got that heart relationship with God, or whether actually we're looking for some other saviour. And money, so often, is seen as the saviour. It's the one that will get us out, the one that will give us security, the one that will uh, provide everything we need. And the world says money is what you need, ultimately. If you've got money, you're going to be okay. You're going to be safe, you're going to be secure. And that can so easily infiltrate our thinking. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Why? Because the more we want money, the more we have, the more 
we're, we're after it, and we think it's everything that we want, it's our God, and we go for it, and therefore we'll do anything to get more of it. And that's the way the world often works, and we've seen it so often in, in our society, in the way that the banks operate, in the way that the people in there operate. It's, uh, it's a corrupting influence. And the fact is, it can get into us as Christians, and we can start believing, actually, yeah, I'm a Christian, but actually what I really need to make me secure and happy is a bit more money. And so in Matthew 6 and 19 and 20, it says, Do not store up for yourselves treasure on earth, where moth and vermin destroy, and where thieves break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasure in heaven, where moth and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus here is speaking about this and saying, actually, you, you need to be careful that actually we don't see earthly treasure, earthly wealth, as the security as our thing, because actually there is something far more important. Storing up treasure in heaven, storing up spiritual treasure that lasts forever. This earthly stuff is going to go fairly soon. We're only here for a fairly short period of time. It's just going to disappear when we die. We don't take it with us. God's not going to be uh, in heaven and looking to see how much you had in the bank before he lets you into heaven. It won't, it'll, be, it'll mean nothing. But our spiritual treasure, that lasts for eternity, ah, that, that's really worth having. And so we, 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 we can use earthly money on earth to store up, store up spiritual treasure by being generous. It's one way of doing it. But also in, in Matthew 6 and verse 24, uh, Jesus goes on to say, No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate one and love the other, or you will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. And so the whole point of what Jesus is saying here is getting to the heart of it. What is it you're trusting? Where are you putting your resources? Where are you putting your hope? Is it in me? And what I give? And in your spiritual well-being? Or is it in worldly possessions and wealth? And... And the reason he was saying it wasn't because Jesus was wanting more money. He was saying, actually, I want, actually, you're good. Because trusting in me will bring freedom. It will bring joy. It will bring release. It will bring security. Money can never, ever do that. It can never do that. It might do for a time. But then, actually, as we trust it and and we we think, oh, I've got to give some away now. Oh, oh, I'm not sure I can. Or I've got to spend, oh, no, the car's gone wrong. Oh, Oh no, I was saving this, but I've got... Oh no. And suddenly, whenever we put trust in money, its roots are of fear, of insecurity, because we can never quite have enough. There's always something that might be around, what what if if my house, what if this happens, what if that happens? Have I got enough to to cope with this? Have I got enough to, to deal with this situation? I remember uh, my brother talking to, to me about a, a guy who was very careful with his money and he'd saved up. Um, saving is not wrong, don't get me wrong here. <laughs> but he, he clearly had a, a wrong attitude to money because he'd saved up and he said, I'm saving for a rainy day. Now actually having a bit of money, if you can do that and save, it's not wrong. Anyway, uh, this guy had a problem. He had... 
I think, it, I can't remember exactly the problem, but something had gone wrong with the roof of his house. And it was going to cost a lot of money. And he came to uh, my brother and said, I don't know, I can't cope. I can't cope. I've got this roof. And, and, and Phil said, well, you were saving for a rainy day. Actually, you've got enough in here to, to, to you know, this is good. It's good, you've got enough to sort your roof out. He said, oh yeah, but that's for a rainy day. <laughs> so my bro- brother Chris said, I think it's raining. <laughs> but he had this idea that actually, I can't use this money, I've got to keep... And he kept adding to it, and he kept adding to it. And instead of thinking, actually, oh, this is sensible, actually, oh, the roof's... Oh, I've got enough. God said, I've got enough to sort the roof out. Praise God. There was an attitude that said, no, I've got, I've got to keep it, I've got to keep it, I've got to have more. And I don't know what to do about my roof. And so there was this wrong attitude to money. Actually, instead of... It, it, that is right, and actually, I, I believe actually we, we try and do this, we do try and save a bit if we can. So that actually when something does happen, we, we've got... Yeah, actually, thank you, Lord. We've done this before, actually, and when things happen, we think, oh, that's just enough. That's brilliant. I can sort this out. If you can't do that, then actually we can believe God that when something happens, God will provide some other way. I remember my uh, Richard, those that know Richard, I might have shared this before, when we were first married and uh, we really didn't have two pennies to rub together, I was struggling with this whole thing. And, and Richard came to me and said, do you believe, do you honestly believe that if you needed a thousand pounds for something that God would provide? And that challenged me, and I thought, do I really believe that? Do I really believe that if I needed a thousand pounds and I didn't have it in my bank account, that God would provide it some way? And I wrestled with this, and I thought, yes, I do. Yes, I do. And I came to that sense of trust and faith simply by looking at what the Bible says. He will supply all my needs. It's a very simple statement in the Bible. He will supply, if I needed it, He's going to supply it. That simple faith in the one who loves us. And actually that was a real lesson for me in faith. That actually it's not down to me. It's not down to me to make sure that, you know, if I've got a bit of, you know, if I'm earning enough, then actually saving's not wrong. It's right. And I, you know, and and perhaps I can bless others and, and I will have enough. But if I can't, I just trust God. I believe God will provide. I believe God provides for our needs, whatever they are. And it's that simple faith that God is after. And it comes from trusting and knowing that actually we, we believe in a God who ju- ju- truly loves us, who rejoices in doing us good. So, how does that reflect? Well, the Bible does talk quite a lot about giving. I just want to briefly finish, well, not finish, but I will finish at some point. Um, that's a promise that will happen Uh, so 2 Corinthians 9 verse 7 and 8 we looked at this a bit last week each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion for God loves a cheerful giver and verse 8 goes on and God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. The basis of this verse, giving cheerfully, happily, joyfully, 
It's found in that, in that following verse, in that we are trusting in a God who provides for us, who makes all grace abound to us, who has given us so much of his goodness and his love. But actually, that's what we trust in. And therefore, when we see, uh, when we give, we give it with a, a generous heart, with a happy heart, because God's my provider. God's going to bless me. God is going to give me everything that I need. And so, the key to giving generously and happily and cheerfully is having that sense, actually, God's, after, God's looking after me. God's protecting me. God is with me. God loves me. And having that in our heart will enable us to have that right attitude to giving. It comes from confidence in God. God isn't looking for dutiful servants. They say, well, okay, uh, um, I've got this amount, I'm going to give this to God, do this with this, this with this, because that's what I need to do. Okay, here we are, God, have this. God's not interested in that. God isn't, God isn't looking for, because he doesn't need it. God doesn't need it. He doesn't say, oh dear, what am I going to do tomorrow? They didn't give very much on Sunday. Um, mm. Sorry, Jesus, it's going to be a bit of a, bit of a, uh, of a tight week, this one. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll prod a few during the week and let's see what happens next Sunday. Now, God's not... And, and it's not... Don't be wrong. The church runs on voluntary contributions. I hope you will realise that, that, that what we get in the offering, we uh, run, the, run the church with um, people's salaries and upkeep of the building. So in one sense the church needs the money. But that's not what I want to talk about today and not what I'm talking about. I don't want to present a need and for you to think, oh, you know, because then it depends on how well we present the need. So next week we'll ask Jamie to come in uh, perhaps his tattered shirts and uh, (laughs) some sort of ripped trousers and and he can give a little bit of appeal on behalf of his and his family. That's not how we do it. That's not what it's about. Uh, The church does have needs, but actually that's that's not what God's after here. God doesn't want us to present loads of needs all the time. Now having said that, we do have, we do from time to time have offerings. We're doing it for New Day, we've done it for, for various things, where actually we do present something. We say, actually, this is an immediate need that has happened. Uh, it would be great if we can respond to that. And wonderfully, the church does. So I'm not talking about those one-off things that where a need comes up. And it's not, I'm giving to needs, and you see stuff on telly and stuff, that's a good thing to do. And, and as, we, as we get prompted and we, we get drawn to, to issues, we bless people. What I'm talking about is the, the regular... Tithes, if you like. The Old Testament talked about tithes and offerings. And this is the regular giving to God, uh, which comes from a heart of trust and faith and love. And and a response to what God has done for us. Not in response to any particular need. And so Paul is addressing that here. He's saying our giving should be cheerful in response to what God has done for us. And and so when we when we look at our finances and when we look at our money and we look at what we give, it should be from that basis. 
And we need to see the truth of Scripture that God will provide. And we need to see the truth of Scripture that God loves us and has everything that we need. Because it is possible to think, well, I'll give when my finances are in a better state. I'll give when things are okay in my life. You know, when, I, when I've got enough, when I've you know, managed to, to get enough and, 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 and acquire enough things that give me a little bit of security, then I'll start giving. Paul addresses this quite a lot, and we won't go into it, but in um, 2 Corinthians 8, he gives the example of the Macedonian church. And uh, 2 Corinthians, uh, and this church was uh, renowned for giving really, really well. So, um, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8 and verse 2 says this Out of the most severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. And he goes on to explain a little bit about We don't really know the, the full circumstances of the Macedonian church. What we do know is they were extremely poor. And they were facing all sorts of trials. And Paul really is just amazed at the grace of God. In the midst of that, they were full of joy. And they were extremely generous. Full of joy and extremely generous. That is a church who had grasped deep down the love and the grace and the mercy of God. A church that had grasped the fact that actually God's going to provide what we need. God's with us in this trial. We haven't got much. But actually, he's the one that's going to look after us. Let's just bless someone else. That's a heart of generosity that comes from knowing who God is. And actually, as a church in general, in this area, we don't have that much. We're aware of that. We're not, a, we're not a rich area. And so in some senses, we've got some similarities. We're a lot better off than some places in the world. But in terms of this country, Plumstead, Woolwich, not a particularly wealthy area. But actually, that shouldn't matter. And it's not the amount. God's not interested in... Oh, I know, I'm much more impressed with someone who gives £100 than someone who gives 20 No, he's not interested in that. Never been in interest. Generosity has nothing to do with the actual figure. Generosity is to do with your heart, what you've actually got. You know, in the, remember the, the parable the, 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 in Jesus, with people giving to the temple? Uh, the woman who gave two small coins. That was generous. She was so generous compared to the man who came with a big plate and stuff and, and threw it in the offering. Jesus wasn't impressed by that. He was impressed by the generosity of this woman who gave everything she had. That's generous. And God will multiply whatever you give. If you're giving generously, God's going to multiply, even if it's a couple of pounds. God's not interested in whether that's, you know, God will bless you and us and those that receive it, if we give generously, whatever the amount that is. Mm. A few other verses. 
there's principles in giving. Um, we won't, we won't, I'll just read these out. Uh, 2 Corinthians, those who sow sparingly will reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will reap generously. Now this is a principle of life. Now what I don't want to get into ever is to say that if you give, you're going to get at least that back. That doesn't work. God is not a slot machine. Uh, but there is a principle. As we sow, we will reap. As, a, as, a, as a, a principle God has set in the world. And as we sow generously with our finances, we will reap. It may not be financially, it may be. I've heard that before. But it, may, it will certainly be spiritually, in our souls, in our hearts, in knowing the, the grace and the love of God. It will be knowing freedom, that we're no longer trusting money. Actually, that brings a huge weight off people's shoulders. And it releases joy. When actually we stop trusting money that will never provide, and we start trusting God, a huge weight comes off. There is such release and such joy when that it comes. And in Luke 6, 38, Jesus says this, Give, and it will be given to you a good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, we poured into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Again, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to get money back I want to preach that in any shape or form. But we know we have a generous God who delights in doing us good. And actually, he's just looking for our hearts again. And as we give to him, we receive far more back from him. He will, we will, as I've said many times before, we will never outgive God. God loves to bless us and delights to bless us. So just a very briefly, how much should we give? Well, the Bible in the Old Testament talks about a tithe, a tenth. That's an Old Testament law, although it started before the law came with Abraham. In response to the grace of God he received and the blessing, he gave a tenth. So that's a good place to think about, a good starting point. But it's not law And each person, the Bible says, needs to decide in their heart what they give. Not under compulsion. We've read that before. So you need to think, actually, what am I? What is a generous thing for me to give? For some, it might be significantly more than 10%. I don't know. But that's entirely up to you to work through. It's not for us to say. How often should we give? Well, the Bible talks about um, in... uh, Paul talks in Corinthians about setting aside a sum of money at the beginning of each week in proportion to our income. So clearly Paul had the idea, and uh, and in the Old Testament the tithe was a regular thing that was given. At the beginning of the week, as in when the money was there, not at the end, not to see what's left over, you decide in your heart, what is it that I want to give to God? What is it that I want to bless him with? What is it that I want to sow into? And as we do that, and as we do that regularly, as we do that consistently, I believe God releases something in us. And from time to time, and I know it's true for us, we just review it, and we think, actually, no, I think God wants me to do something else. And so we don't, we don't have a set thing that then carries on forever. We actually think about, it, oh, what, what is it? What is it you want us to do? And so that's how we, uh, we talk about it at home. 
What is it that God wants us to do? Um, so we just... But in all of this, we say, actually, we need to check our hearts. Because often, we can start giving... And if, if our hearts aren't cheerful, if our hearts aren't happy, we need to stop and think, actually, there's something wrong. I need to think, what's, what's, what's going on in me? If I'm not giving out of happiness, I'm not giving out of generosity, I'm not giving out of joy, then actually there's something I need to address. And, uh, and, and we need to just go back and think about it and think, actually, how, you know, what, what's, what's wrong? What's, and what, am I, what am I trusting? What am I not believing God for? What, what, is, what is in me that is, that's got in that isn't right? And actually, sometimes, sometimes, and again, I'm not, this is not a law or anything, sometimes you think, actually, to overcome this, I'm going to increase what I give. I'm going to break this. Because actually money cannot and must never be my master. It can never be my saviour. It can never be the one that I turn to. Because it's never going to work. It cannot be a saviour. It can only be a harsh taskmaster that brings fear. Jesus came to release us from fear. To give us freedom and joy. That's what he wants to bring. And money, if we allow it to, will grip us with fear. But when we come to him, when we recognise who he is, he will release us from fear and enable us to be happy and generous in our giving. That's, that's amazing. When you give happily and generously, that's a wonderful joy. It's a wonderful joy. So just to finish with, just ask a few questions. What is my giving like? Is it generous and cheerful? Is it regular? If the answer to any of those questions is no, then ask yourself, what am I believing that's wrong? Let's challenge yourself. Don't, don't just hear me and say, okay, I'll just give more. No, 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 that's not, that's, not, that's not what it's about. It's actually hearing what God is saying to you. Let God prod you in your heart to say, actually, what are you believing wrong about me? What haven't you grasped about me? What don't you understand about my generosity, my love, my grace? And let God speak to your heart. Let faith rise in you. Actually, God cares and God will provide. That you're not trusting money, but you're trusting him. And that he will provide. He is your saviour. He really is your saviour. Money isn't. You can trust him with your whole life and you will not be disappointed. You will never be disappointed because he loves us and he rejoices over us and he rejoices in doing us good let's pray <clears throat> dear father I thank you that you are a generous loving giving God Lord I thank you that Lord you demonstrated that in Jesus who gave up the glory of heaven for us for me to bring me to God, to bring me into riches, to bring me into the presence of God. Though I hated you, though I was far away, you came to save me and to bring me into salvation and to bring me into the, the love and the mercy and the grace of God. I thank you, Lord. I thank you for your generosity. And I thank you, Lord, it didn't end there. Lord, you've graciously given me all things. Lord, along with Jesus Christ, I thank you. Lord, I pray that those truths will dwell in my heart and in the hearts of everyone here deeply. 
that we have a God who delights in us. A, a God that delights to do us good. And the Father, I pray that from that we may be a generous people. A people that don't hold on to, to worldly riches because that's our saviour. But we give them away because we know we've got something far greater. A God that will provide everything we need. A God that will fill us with joy unspeakable. A joy that blesses. A God that loves. Father, I pray that, Father, we will be a, a giving people, a graciously, hilariously happy, joyous giving people because we know you and all you've done for us. Lord, I pray that, Lord, you'd, uh, Lord, if there's any prodding going on today, that you'd release people from fear, yeah. from fear of not having enough, from fear of, of not, not, uh, not being able to cope, Lord, because you are the God that provides. I pray you'd release them now in Jesus' name. They would have your love flood their hearts. Yeah, in Jesus' name. Amen.